Hello and welcome to the North America Gaelic Football Podcast, the home of Gaelic football here in North America. I am your host, Gareth McAlinden. Uh, before we get started, just a quick shout out to our sponsors, Mesita, uh, who have been the official sponsor of the USGS since 2017. For anybody who doesn't know who Mesita is, uh, they're one of Ireland's leading manufacturers of sports kits and teamware. They are a 100% Irish-owned family business who are passionate and dedicated to supplying their customers with quality gear and top-class service. So if your club is interested in learning more about Mesita's uh, teamware, please feel free to send us a direct message, and we'll be happy to direct you to the right person and help you and your club uh, with your needs in the upcoming season. Uh, today, got two... Very special guests. We have John Young and Rob Tierney. Uh, a little bit, John. John's the chairperson of the Midwest Division of the United St- uh, USGA, and Rob is the secretary of the Midwest Division in the USGA, and is also the games development officer for the USGA as a whole. So, without further ado, lads, uh, welcome. Appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy schedule. And uh, what's the crack with you? <laughs> Not too much, hey. Uh, thanks a lot for having us on. Um, I did want to say before we get started that on behalf of the Midwest Clubs, um, I think you have uh, an exciting and interesting concept here with this podcast. Um, I'm surprised nobody has done it so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing where you go with it. I think it'll be uh, very informative for our clubs, and like I said, the best of luck and success to yourself and Connor with it. Appreciate it, John. So... Why don't we just get straight into the questions? Because I know uh, with the two two of you lads, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a lot of content here. Uh, so why don't we start with John? John, just uh, walk us through a little bit of your journey. Uh, you know, Gaelic football, personal. You know how you came to how you arrived in Pittsburgh, and just kind of your journey. So why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So you know, there's there's always a story behind everything that you do. Like you know, uh, so. I think uh, it'd be interesting to know. I was actually, uh, hurling would have been my first sport um, whenever I was at home there, Bolivarley. Hurling club just outside of uh, Bombridge there. I mean, look, I left uh, Ireland whenever I was 17, so it was all underage stuff. Bit of football, St. Patrick's there in uh, Bombridge. Um, like I said, the uh, the football club then would have been Tully Leash. So I moved to uh, the U.S. 1991. I came over as part of a program that was sort of for disadvantaged youth, you know, sort of stuff that was going on with the troubles and whatnot. Um, it was a program through the Iron Institute of Pittsburgh and youth training program there in the north um, in Neary. I said, um, ever since that, it's just been great. The uh, the, the GAA in, in Pittsburgh were very welcoming. It's a great place to be. And the resources they provided for me ever since that has been phenomenal, like in regards to, you know, work, housing, all of that stuff, it's just been uh, absolutely superb. Yeah, so like at that time, like there was a couple of football teams in Pittsburgh. It was uh, Con Kills, and that's who I went to play for. And then there was also the Celtics. So after, you know, I mean, maybe being here about eight or nine years, the Con Kills had disbanded, and the Celtics were the only game in town. And that's where we all went to play for. And things, I mean, we weren't the, we weren't the greatest team at that time, now, to be honest with you. But uh, we were we were a great team in regards to clubmanship. And then we went from there and, and success started happening. And then the problem was I started to age out, Gareth. You know, like uh, the, the legs started to give up. So the good thing with the GA is there's a place for everybody. And I found administration of the GA was something that I really, really enjoyed. So it was club secretary, club chair. Um, I was involved with the Pittsburgh Banshees football team. And 
went on to be the Midwest chair. From there, the administrators were involved on the, the USGA County Board. Uh, now I'm back to uh, chair of the Midwest. So how's that, you know, what, how does that roll? What's your kind of like day-to-day duties for that? You know, because, I mean, you guys have a many clubs in your divisions and you guys are a really big division as well. You guys go from, you know, I think uh, on last week's episode, we were talking about Bernie, you guys go as far as down as like Cleveland, the whole way up to, you know, almost upstate New York. That's a big division. So, you know, what's kind of your day-to-day look like with that? Yeah, like geographically, like so we definitely have uh, some challenges there. There's no doubt about it. But look, we figure out how to make it work. So we do go, like we do cover the state of New York, except for New York City itself. We cover Ohio. We cover Michigan. Um, we cover then the Pittsburgh side of Pennsylvania. Um, we separate our division into different groups so that we have lesser traveling distances. So the maximum part you travel for a game would be about six hours. The least you travel for a game would be three hours. So to us, that sounds short. I know yourself up there in the uh, Northeast Division, that probably sounds long enough. Oh, yeah. And uh, Rob, I see you in the background there. You know, we don't want to leave you out too. Uh, so, Rob, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself as well. You know, just where you're from at home, uh, club and stuff growing up. And uh, yeah. what's your background for being here in the U.S.? Yeah, no problem, Gareth. So, um when I was growing up, I, I would have played a little bit for Luke and Sarsfields there in West Dublin. They they would have my cl- been my club, and I suppose in my middle teens, like a lot of people, I would have drifted away from 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 Gaelic and, and maybe towards the, the the foreign the foreign sport, you know. Um, and I came to the states in two thousand one. I came to Pittsburgh, um, and I knew one guy here when when I come uh, when I came here. Thankfully, it wasn't John, or I probably never would have come here, right? <laughs> but I knew one guy, and. Uh, Shortly after St. Patrick's Day, he said, hey, look, the team are getting ready to train next weekend. Will you come down? And I thought, geez, I haven't played this game in years. I think it's kind of passed me by. And he said, come on down, come on down. So, look, you know, you go home that weekend, you have a bit of soul searching. And I decided, why not? I know one guy here. What's the worst that happens? I I meet somebody else. So you go down to train and then suddenly, you know, you find 20 people that love Ireland. They love going out. They love sports. And, of course, they love the gap. And I'd heard about the power of the GA kind of, but I really didn't appreciate it until suddenly it was me that was deeply affected by it. So I went from knowing one guy to 21 and, and, and you know, it kind of mushrooms out from there. It's a um, fantastic kind of landing spot um, for, for folks. Um, I uh, run visa, um, uh, visa program during my day-to-day job here. A lot of the summer work travel students that you might meet around Boston for the summer might be on our program. It's definitely one of the things that now I tell them, find your GAA club. That's where you're going to find your feet. That's kind yeah. of how I, I ended up um, end up finding the, the GAA again, I suppose, you know, in, in, in later years. Yeah, and, you know, the Gaelic community, not just the Gaelic community, but the Irish community as a whole here in the U.S., you know, whether you're in, you know, Boston, Portland, Maine, New York City, Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. the Irish are everywhere. Right. And that's that's kind of the first thing you do look up is the Gaelic team. But, you know, it, it's just it's such a, you know, it's almost got that rugby kind of feel, you know, where it's that community aspect. You know, you travel as a team, you play as a team, you go out as a team. It's that camaraderie that, you know, it's almost like people are searching for all the time, especially as Irish people. You know, we're always looking for that, you know. Yeah. And I think ah. I think what I found about the GAA is that you're included in until you decide you want to leave. So yeah. you show up, if you're particularly 
obviously here in Pittsburgh, we were, were mostly American born players. And when they show up and, and they find this, this group of, uh, of guys, or indeed the ladies, when they show up, be it for the uh, Nalekra Camogie or Pittsburgh Banshees um, ladies football team, you're in the circle. It's up to you yeah. to decide this sport really isn't for me. And it's fantastic from that point of view. People are very welcoming, very open. This is a new sport to a lot of them. It's a new sport to a lot of our players. And I think they share that immediately, particularly if they're not, you know, somebody who's kind of off the boat like John or myself. So yeah. it's uh, just a fantastic landing ground. Um, and that's, that's the thing too, like it does provide like to the, not only the uh, the immigrant coming in, but the, ho the home base non-Irish player that's playing with the club. Like, I mean, to walk into something that has that much meat in it in regards to the foundation of, you mean everything that you need, like the social circle, the, uh, mm -hmm. the jobs, the housing. It's it's just such a great resource, and I think that's something that GA can be credited with across across the world. Like you know, yeah, I think mm -hmm. you brought up a good point there, where that networking aspect, right? So you're networking with a bunch of people, and let's just say you're new into an area and you're looking for a job. You know, more than likely they're going to know somebody who's going to get you on to somebody. Yep. You yeah. know, and yeah, you know, that's that's one thing that you know stood by me for years as uh, you know playing with the Macanespies in Boston. You know, if you ever needed a if you ever needed a, a job, you know, if you're out here, you know, hey, listen, we'll get you in somewhere. We'll get you in labor room with somebody, or we'll get you into the bars. You know, that's it's uh you know it's an incredible community. Uh, of people that are willing to help you, that will, yeah, are willing yeah. to actually go out of your way to help you to make sure you succeed <laughs> here. Uh, and it's definitely, it's got that feeling of home because that's, I think we're all kind of searching for that as well, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's also unique too because how many times, like look at myself and Connor, you know, a lot from a lot from Yuri and a lot from Limerick has started a podcast. Like, you're not going to get that on Yuri or Limerick, <laughs> but you know, you got a people from all, and look at yourself, you know, Robert from Dublin and John yeah. from down, like you people, right. Now, when I go home, like, you know, throughout the last eight to nine years, I've played with lads from Kerry, from Cork, from, you know, the Galway to Dublin. You yeah. know, if I'm ever in Dublin, you know, you bump into lads that you played football with five, yeah. six years ago. You know, it's it's definitely very unique. No, uh, that's, that's the greatest thing about it, too. Like, you could be traveling anywhere, too, across the world. And the first thing you do is look for the GA club for to have a resource into wherever you're going, you know what I mean, for whatever you need. You know, like mm -hmm. So, it definitely, what it brings to the table is something that I don't know that any other sport does because a lot of other sports are sports related. And I try and tell people, look, the GA is 65% resource and 35% sport. You know what I mean? The sport's a, an important part of it, but the, what it brings is a resource is just unreal. Like, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. So Rob, just, uh, just touch a little bit more about you. Uh, so your current position is uh, the secretary at the Midwest, but you have a bunch of other roles as well, correct? Yeah, I, I think John and myself and, and so many more, you, you give a busy man work to do, right? And, and the, the job gets done. Um, I suppose that's how we've always operated. John and myself have been on the, the local board together on the Midwest board. Uh, we, we made it to the national board um, one time as well. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think um, I think we make time for this. Um, I was listening to your Bernie Connington one and you were laughing about the full-time job. And, uh, and Bernie was saying, like, this is the full-time job. Uh, you kind of have to park your other job a lot of the time. And um, that's kind of what we do. You know, we're both involved in the youth here locally as well. So really across the across the full gamut, I suppose, we're, we are involved in the in the organization. The wife likes to say there's three of us in this marriage, me, you, and the GAA. <laughs> 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 
Guy, you don't have to tell my wife that. <laughs> I suppose we should probably say as well, Gareth, John's my brother-in-law. So, ah. so he, um, he, he did, he did us the favor of, uh, of taking, uh, my, my sister off her hands, Marie. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, I think congratulations uh, or commiserations. Commiserations. <laughs> um, John and I've known each other since probably 2001 and he's been married to Marie maybe since 04. Like for John and I, like we, we should be in divorce terms at this point, <laughs> GA speaking. There's a lot of brothers-in-law that have fallen out in this game, but, um, I suppose we've managed to kind of hang in there and support each other, yeah. Yeah, we definitely thrive off each other, Gareth. Like, I mean, like I said, um, everything we've done, we've done it together at the club level, Midwest level. Um, I'm kind of one of the ones who have the wacky, you know, ideas. I mean, the craziness. And Robbie's the one who brings you back to earth and actually brings something that's a crazy idea and makes it a good idea and administers it first. Like, you know, um, like even there, we were talking about the Midwest and what we're doing. Whenever we we sat the Midwest board back in 2013 to 2016 as well together, and at that time there was uh, 11 clubs in the Midwest. Here we are uh, 10 years later, and we're expecting to have 25 clubs this year. The gr the growth's unreal, and look, there's many reasons for that. And uh, we also, like Robbie said, we got onto the the national board, and we were working there at the national level as well. We worked under chairs like uh, you know Gareth and Simons there for a couple of years, and. Bernie Canocken for three years and the growth level across this country is unreal. Like those two chairs have uh, invested a lot of time with the games development and getting Robbie in there in opposition and throwing national resources at it that the, uh, the growth rate across this country is unbelievable. Like I'd say, I don't know, Robbie, you probably know more like what the numbers are, but we have 35, 40 new clubs just in the last four to five years, probably. Yeah, we're at about 30 over the last five years, which, of course, included the one year of COVID. So, like, when you parse that out, that's that's massive growth, really, and, and they're continuing. Um, obviously, uh, we the, the, the great story, I suppose, or the interesting one is obviously the, the Los Patrios uh, from Mexico City coming on board, but there's a lot of other clubs that are that are joining the organization. They'll, they'll continue. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we, actually yeah. touched, we actually touched based on that. Uh, a little last week with Bernie and you know I think we're all in favour on like a January tournament you know Cancun yeah. like yeah. And, this, uh, this, you know even a, a convention would work there as oh. well like you know I'd say you get big attendance oh it'd be brilliant hit down to all inclusive resort for a weekend you know that's, yeah 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 but uh, so let's um, before we move on because I actually want to follow up on that you know more about you know the growth of not just Midwest but you know, your own respected clubs there as well. But before we move on, one of our kind of staple questions uh, is if uh, if your lads were explaining Gaelic football to somebody that you met in the streets of Pittsburgh, you know, how would you explain it to them? I suppose it, it falls in maybe to the old answer of your basketball meets rugby meets some volleyball. Um, that That's your opening line. And, and then, then you try and challenge them, I suppose, and see if they, you know, what games they have played before. And obviously after college finishes here, there's a big dropout. So you're trying to kind of reel them in the whole time. John, how, what would you say? I'd say 90% crack, 10% sport. <laughs> just, just get, we'll, we'll get you sucked in and then we'll, take, we'll teach you some football, like, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let, came for the ball. You know, left with a crack. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so but, yeah, we're, sorry, you, you were asking us there too, like a bit about Pittsburgh. Like whenever, uh, you know, whenever I first come out here, Gareth, like we could barely kick snow off a rope. Like you know what I mean? We were uh, we were doing our best, like, but uh, things have evolved so much, like too, in uh, 
in the resources, like not only from the USA, but from Crow Park and from coaching and management, like our club now, like I couldn't even, I, I mean, I don't even know if I could be the water boy in the team anymore. Like they're so elite, like, you know what I mean? In regards to like training regimes and schedules and the, the work and the effort that they put in is just absolutely unreal. Like, you know? Yeah, no. And it's actually a good, uh, good place to kind of move into the kind of that next uh, section of the podcast where we want to talk about, you know, the, the rise off Pittsburgh Celtics, uh, John, your club. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like the history of the club and, you know, where you guys are, how you, how you've got to where you've been today. Cause you kind of talk about that elite status, uh, off the Pittsburgh Celtics now, you know, but it, most likely it wasn't always like that, you know, and that's the same with a lot of clubs. They start off small and they grow into these big clubs. So I'd love to hear a bit more about the history and where you guys have got, how you got into the place you are today. So in 1976, right. So a few years ago, um, there, there was there was the, the Roger Casements were here, and I mean they had won national championship, very elite team as well. Um, then the younger players that were coming up weren't getting playing time, right? So that created a need for a new team or a new club or whatever. And Howard Albert and Tommy Clunan put together uh, the Pittsburgh Celtics to give these younger, maybe second generation Irish, you know, a, a chance and a place to play. And that's where they went on to play and. Um, now, over the years, like I said, we've evolved from, you know, fairly average team into, like, a decent high-level junior team. Um, there's many reasons for that. And this, and I try and tell people this here all the time because they talk about bringing players in, right? That's always a big topic, right? I think that our club has uh, reached the fine formula in that. So we would bring in three or four a year. Um, we have probably 30 to 35 young American lads that would be out to play. And then we bring in, you know, maximum of five, say, right? And we round out of 40 players that are on the team. And what that does, right, it brings all of those players up. Because, first of all, they want to be better than the Irish fella that you brought in, right, for the help play. So, like, they come in, they start being coaches, they start bringing these players to a different level. And now, like, our Americans are playing at such a, a good level. Um, we've had different players over the years. We've had John Tierney that played for Calvin, with John Slattery, that uh, Captain Wexford, Ram McAleenan, that played for Down, um, Colin McKeever, actually current life player, and you see how well they're doing. He was here in Pittsburgh as well. And like I said, bringing over those quality of players and letting them play with uh, the newer players where it's not their first sport is actually really doing a, a good job and it gives a good place to be. But there's a way to overdo it, and I think that we haven't done that yet. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, um, so I think it was '76 when when we were start when we started, and if if I'm right, we didn't make the first North American playoffs until 1999. John, was that it? Yes. Um, yeah. So like in, we in went Boston or two. Yeah, in Boston. Yeah. So we went 23 years without making it, and it's kind of interesting in in the modern world where people are looking for that immediate reward. You know that we were able to keep a group of players together, coaches together for 23 years without getting to I suppose what the the big game was. Um, probably some of our, our, our turning point came in, 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 you know, early 2000s, just some key decisions and some people that kind of came, whether, you know, they just happened to come into Pittsburgh and we just got this rich crop of, of um, people that arrived, but also the younger players that were starting to come through here as well. Um, and, and just things clicked. And uh, in the early 2000s, then we went on to win our first, Midwest Championship, which was uh, which was fantastic. After all those years of toy, like we've had a very very um, lucky run 
over the last number of years. Our, our current players don't know a lot about losing within our division. But, you know, when John came, those players certainly knew all about losing it. it, it yeah, you know, I mean, like one game here and there. Yeah, and on the football end of things, like at that time, like uh, whenever I was playing with the Celtics at the very start, you only had um, Cleveland, St. Pat's, you had Cleveland, St. Jarvis, you had uh, Detroit, Park Pierce and the Detroit Wolftones, and like nobody could touch the Cleveland, St. Jarvis. I mean, they were an unstoppable force. And like I said, for in the circle to happen over the 20 years that we would be considered the, the force in the division now, it actually feels good, like, you know. Well, you, you are actually in a similar boat. Uh, to the Northeast as well, where you actually have to qualify out of your division to get to the Nationals. You know, and that's not the same in every division. We were actually talking about this with Bernie last week, where some, you know, out of no fault of their own, just because there's no, you know, they're so far apart. So, yeah. Yeah, the geography where, you know, we're kind of like the Midwest and the Northeastern are a very unique division where very competitive leagues. That's actually very hard to get the Nationals. Uh, you know, in our, you know, now we have senior, intermediate, junior A, junior B, junior C, you know, and you got to get out of, you know, and each, each, divi- each division uh, within that has probably four or five teams and strong teams. Yeah. So, you know, and it's kind of a testament, any team that does get out there, it's, you know, it's earned. You know, yeah. That, that, that is earned every year. And when you get there, you want to get back every year. You want, you want to get like, you know, we got there. Uh, with a hurling, and we were lucky enough to get there with a football. But that's a memorable weekend that these boys oh, very, will remember yeah. for the rest of their lives. You know, the, the, the crack is just 90, you know. But then yeah. the, the level of games and they see like that camaraderie again, it gets back to that community base, right? Um, so, you know, talking about that kind of challenge aspect, you know, what's some, some of the biggest challenge, uh, challenges you have faced, especially through the last couple of years, you know, with covid uh, I know a lot of clubs definitely did uh, did hurt. Some some thrived. So maybe talk about some of the challenges you've faced over throughout the years. Yeah, I'd say like and, and just touch base back there real quick on what you were talking about up there in the northeast division. Like that's unreal too. Like what's happening now and all the different levels that you're getting there. There's there's a there's a very good growth. And um, you know a lot of people talk about like say like for example like living in Pittsburgh, right? It's uh it's very hard to do a team because you're in a small Irish market or whatever. The first thing I tell people is, hey, try and put 25 to 30 clubs in one city, whether it's a big Irish population or not, to try to actually keep those clubs alive. I think it's a huge accomplishment on its own. So there's multiple ways of looking about small Irish markets versus large Irish markets and the amount of teams and whatnot. But like I said, when you were also talking about the, uh, the qualification process to get out of the division. So, yes, as a junior division, we are doing that now as well. So that started for us, like heavily started for us about 10 years ago. And we put that together, guys, because we thought it was very important to have meaningful games, right? So we found that people were starting their season and their whole budget was applied to traveling wherever the USA fans were, the NACB fans, whatever it was called at the time, like, you know? And they had no interest in what was happening in their regular season in their division. So we totally changed that around and said, look, the only way to actually give you a meaningful games here in the division is to actually make them mean something. The clubs were a little bit hedgy at the start in regards to that. But after the first year of us doing that, the clubs came to us and said, look, that's the best thing we've ever done. We can't wait to do this again. And we'll, we can touch on it a little bit later in the uh, thing, but we went on to create a league, a Midwest championship weekend, and you qualify forward. Our selling point was, look, if you're going to go and represent our division, you may as well be the best in the division 
moving forward and you'll have all of our support whenever you, you move on versus everybody just getting to go. Now, well, everybody wants to go. That's I mean, it's, who doesn't want to go to nationals? That's listen, like you said, the crack is just unreal. Like oh, I mean, it, it's once once you've been there, you can't wait to get back. Yeah. But like I said, the, the, like I said, there's a, there's a lot of expense involved in going, and you have to get your house in order first locally, and then you're ready to go on to there. You know, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, like I mean, we so we just actually got on a call with the the Midwest. We had our, our monthly board meeting there, and we kind of. Have, have confirmed our schedule for the year and we're upwards of 48 competitive, meaningful games, right? John mentioned the word meaningful. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the buzzword, particularly in terms of development. It's all very well playing games. Are they meaningful? Are they counting for something? So with 48 games, almost 50 games to be played, it's a very, very robust season that we have ahead and, and every game means something. You know, whether you're the, the Pittsburgh Pukas, whether you're playing with Akron Hurling, uh, or, or you're up in the, in the Fianna playing football in, in Buffalo. Every game is going to count, and, and that's really what's important. It's going to determine some of the seeding for the championship weekend that we have the second week of August, and then it's from that that our teams will emerge then to, to move forward uh, within the various grades. So, yeah, yeah. it's going it's, it's kind to of really help things here to have that meaningful level added. And, and guys, like what we did too, right, was uh, so we have our league and then we have our championship. Our championship's over a, a two-day event over the weekend because we wanted to give that end-of-the-year festival-type environment that you get at the North American Finals so that it feels like you accomplished something at the end of the year. You achieved the big event. You got to play in it. Even on, if you get to progress, then you're the best team in the division to move forward. But if your season's in there, you end it with, you know I mean, a bang, like, you know? Yeah, and that's actually, you brought up a good point there, like in with a two-day event, because when you go to Nationals, right, you're used to playing one game on a weekend. Mm -hmm. You go to Nationals, you know, if your body's not, you know, if your body's not used to playing two games in a weekend, by the time, you know, we had a game on the, we had a game on the Friday, and then we had a game on the Saturday. We had a final on the Sunday against North Carolina. And I can tell you, our bodies were done. And that was junior sealer. You know, we're, yeah, yeah. we're no, you know, we're no athletes in that. You know, <laughs> a lot of part time, little part timers, like you know. But yeah. you know, even the even the athletic American kids were even feeling it. And the Saturday was that rainy, soggy yeah. day, and the legs were just tired. Heavy. It was heavy. Yeah. You know, so you know that's almost like a good idea to do it that way, where you have that two days, so you're kind of getting a little bit of that. You know. Then your muscle memory comes back, right? Yeah. So when you're at nationals, you have that little bit of experience to know, all right, what my body's going to expect. Um, so that's a great point there. I actually like yeah. that setup. Is that but, are you guys the only ones that do that setup, or is there other divisions that do that too? So the, I, I mean, obviously, look, you have all your senior divisions. You mean that are doing that? And uh, I think uh, I think the Mid Atlantic is doing it a little bit. Um, the Southeast, Southeast is doing it a little bit. Look. It, Here's the thing: is like we're not all the same, right? So the one approach doesn't fit for everybody because we have, like, while we have a geography, we're starting to get enough teams in each grade to where they're getting close enough to play. But you have different um, divisions where you might only have two teams and they're far apart, you know, and they're not getting the games that they need all year. They almost need to go to the USJ finals to get games, like you know. Yeah. So, like I said, there isn't one approach that fits across the country. Like, you know I mean. For it, and it's not fair to demand the same thing of everybody because what what all the different divisions are um, dealing with throughout the year is a factor in how they end their year. I guess you would call it, like you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, 
probably a good point uh, time to talk about you know these North Americans and memories. You know, I want to talk about maybe some of the memories that you've had throughout the years. You know, some of the most memorable moments of uh, you know your time in the GAS. So, John, do you want to kick us off with some of them, maybe with the club yeah. or you know even with the GA in general? Yeah. So I, I have a I have one that like like you mean lives in the head forever now. Like with, uh, I mean, what is it? Probably fifteen or twenty years on since it actually happened, so it's been well glorified in my in my memory. <laughs> but we were so the first time that we ever in Pittsburgh got to qualify to go to the North American NACB finals at that time, we played the Detroit Park Pierces in the semifinal. After the game was over, twenty-seven to twenty-seven, no goals. It was a, just a straight-out point shooting competition into overtime. Uh, we won by two points. I'm sure you know your man you're talking to right here scored the, the <laughs> final two points to, to, to get us there. Like you know, so like I said, that's that's my memory. And listen, I remember looking around the field at the players like that I was playing with, and us all just lying on the ground, exhausted, but so happy that we had had the opportunity in 1989 to go to uh, the North American Finals up up in Boston. I mean, it was just it was an all real moment. It's something that stuck in my head. Like I said. I'm sure it's well glorified since it actually happened, but it's in the bank. Like, what about yourself, Rob? Um, mine's probably a, a, an off the field one. Um, standing in the <laughs> wavering in the canal court um, up in Uri, watching the night porter bringing twenty five pints of Guinness to our players at four thirty in the morning on a trip to Ireland. I mean, that was just an, an unbelievable sight to see. It was, it was the easy order from a man. So just 25 pints and, and that was it. Um, we brought the team over to Ireland a number of years ago. Uh, we played up in, uh, in, in Tully Lish outside Van Bridge and also in the St. Jude's Junior uh, Sevens. Got to tour Croke Park, got to meet Egon Afaril, the, uh, the Uchtaran at the time. Sky tour Croke Park with, with like largely American players, like American lads. And for many, it was the first time outside of America, first time needing a passport. Um, it was the time of those cheap WOW flights, so we were able to find one for like $350. It got everybody back, and it was just it was an incredible, incredible week. Um, John will talk there about Jamie Morgan and, and, and Big Joe up in Armagh. John, if you want to maybe yeah. talk about uh, that. Uh, on, so, on Mary so track, you know, and like we went on to the, the field, you know, and like the rain was just teeming down, you know, and the groundskeeper there came out onto the grass cross began fields. So no, there's no way that you're just getting on the field tonight. And he said, look, I have about 40 of my friends here from America. We're taking the field. And uh, took us out, put us through a training session. Um, more importantly, though, afterwards, he took us around and he made sure he hit every single pub in cross began with us. And it was strategic on his end, but we were just having the greatest crack ever. Like, you know, <laughs> he made sure every pub got a turn while we were in town. Like, you know, so he said, that, that was a great trip, great trip. I think another Joe. another kind of funny one, actually, the the story with Joe kind of came full circle on the Friday because on the Wednesday night, he'd be regaling different uh, different groups that he'd be sitting with in each of the pubs with stories. And he talked about how in the All-Ireland final at halftime, he brought his players in and he got his loser's medal and he threw it against the wall in the shower. And he said that wasn't worth the damn, right, to try and give Armad the motivation to go out there and overturn things and win the All-Ireland, which obviously they did. So fast forward onto the Friday and we do the tour of Croke Park and we're sitting down in the changing rooms and the girl starts to tell the story and one of the lads says, we've already heard it. And it was just <laughs> such a brilliant moment, brilliant moment to bring those lads home and have heard a legend like Joe Kern and tell the story. 
and then for it to be relayed and almost not relayed in, in Croke Park itself. It, it was terrific. Yeah, my household, uh, Joe Kernan would be a god. Uh, unfortunately, not in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm uh, in all my family. So my mother, my father, my two brothers, all are my. Right. I'm the, I'm the black sheep in the family. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, the down, I'm the down one, like, you know, so. <laughs> on you, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just sticking to me, you know, sticking to the guns. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. my pub wasn't down. That was it. Uh, like, uh, like through youth playing with down. So I kind of have more like a, more like a connection there with down where yeah. my family were more our man. 2002 was a depressing year, you know, so <laughs> well, whenever they, whenever they want. And I actually, uh, I never forget my parents actually pulled myself and my two brothers out of school to go to the parade in the Carrick Dale to see them come oh. home. And I was there with my down jersey on, welcoming them, every one of them in. <laughs> listen, that, that was dangerous territory if you had a down jersey on the Sunday I, night. I like, mean, you know? listen, I was 11 at the time, like, you know, so they were probably just laughing at me, like, yeah, but I'm yeah. sure if I was a couple of years older, I probably would have got a slap or two, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But, you know, that was, uh, I mean, 2002, that was a hell of a year. Like, that was, I mean, look at the players on that yeah. uh, 2002 team. Uh, I mean, McGinney. You had Ashi McConville, Ronan yep. Clark. Uh, I mean, that was just uh, like the McIntyre's. Oh, powerhouses, Morks, yeah, no, just 100%. absolute animals of men, like, and just fit. Um, but yeah, no, sorry to, to I mean, we could probably <laughs> say back and that all day, like, you know, uh, I'm sure if my family are watching, they're probably like, you know, uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> they're loving that. They're loving that story, but, uh, but yeah, I want to just kind of get back to the club. I mean, I love that idea of you know getting the lads over there for a team bond in Ireland. You know, so what what do you kind of see the vision for the future and like how do you continue to move on for that? Because those are pretty big steps to follow with taking lads to Ireland and you know where where, where do you see the future? Yeah, the um, so one of the things I'd say like on the adult level, right? So we we have generated a second team now, right? So because you have that elite level team and it's so hard to break through, it's not as an interesting place for a new player. So we find that um, we need to have that second team, you know, playing the junior C, junior D level. So that we can bring in these new players and still, you know, um, bring them through the system and, and try and make them better for the, to make the the first team. Um, I mean, even I might even consider putting on the boots again myself. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? They're touching forty nine. So my young fellas, I'd plan this year. Um, it's great to watch him. He he's doing his best. Like he just can't wait to make a junior D team. Like you know, um, might be interesting to go on there and kick a few points with him uh, somewhere throughout down the season if I still have a leg. Like you know. Junior D is uh, you can have two Amer- two Irish born, right? Yeah, so yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and re- the, the the regulations change so much every year. I mean, I have to go back and just double check. But like I said, we we don't have an Irish born problem here in Pittsburgh, you know. So those regulations never really matter too much to, to us because it's all sort of you know your your American borns that we have here. Um, like I said, so that's that's where I think on the adult level, like now, like. On the, uh, I don't know, Robbie, you want to talk about the youth level a little bit and where that fits in into the club's future? Yeah. Um, so we had a we had a pretty vibrant youth club um, until COVID, and and then COVID hit, and of course, you know, all, all bets were off that year. We tried to come back again, uh, it, and it just didn't take off. We didn't have the same interest. So it's really something we need to go after again. The good thing, I suppose, is that some of those older players that had been playing on the youth club have now moved across be it to the Celtics or to our Banshees Ladies Football Club. So that's great. So you can see automatically the the pathway is there. And, of course, 
that that itself is a key kind of phrase here in in not just USGA but across the GA that player pathway is there that opportunity to move from from the youth across to the adult team so it's definitely something that we need to do better at here in Pittsburgh we're going to do our best to do it this summer and and start that youth program back up even if it's just baby steps get something going um, I, I think that's what we absolutely need to need to do. Yeah, yeah. I think like the to put on on top of that there, guys. Sorry, that's the future in this country. Like you know, is to have this it all the way from childhood up through the adult level. Like that that's where we have to get to here. You know, um, listen, there's a place for uh, the players coming in to play in the senior divisions. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy the games more going and watching them. But in these sort of non-Irish markets. The, the future is definitely, and the, the way the sustainability is definitely to bring these kids up through the youth system and then get them through the youth system into the young adult system, into the adult teams. I mean, that's that's a, I think that's where sustainability is for a club if you're looking at a club long-term here today, you know? Well, yeah, talking about long-term, you know, so let's just say somebody would be listening to this podcast and you're thinking, all right, you know, how do I get involved with, you know, Pittsburgh, GA, or even Gaelic football, maybe not even as a player. Maybe I just want to be part of that community that we talked about, that network of people. You know, maybe you're Irish-American or you got a, friend, a couple of friends or cousins in Ireland. You know, how, what would be the first steps to kind of get involved with you? I suppose the, things have already started this season a couple of weeks, um, and, and some of the indoor stuff has already started. We've had a couple of new player nights. Um, that's generally what we try and do every year is, is kick off the year early February. Um, it's like it's a, 12, a 12 month sport for us, uh, <laughs> even though, you know, it gets quite wintry here in, in Pittsburgh. Um, but that would be the key. You, you get those new player nights. We've teamed up with a local organization here that has a lot of um, access to young professionals. We try and invite them along, try and invite them along to, 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 to play the sport and experience it. That's one of the, the biggest things that we do. Um, there's always room for new board members if somebody's not a player. And, of course, they're, they're, welcomed, uh, they're welcomed with open arms. Yeah. The more people to, to go around with, with help with some of these tasks, obviously, the better. Um, so I suppose that's probably the main, the main way we would do it. Yeah. Like, listen, your power of social media, too, anymore is just uh, – if you can harness that power and get that to the right people, I mean, it's, it's a great place to be to make sure you're bringing in that person that's – not knowledgeable about Gaelic games, but finds out maybe he's on a trip to Ireland and they come back and they start searching social media or anything local. Then you get them out of the game and then they're hooked. You know, it's that first. Just get, just get them. Just the get one, them there. Session. That's uh, what I was saying. Yeah. Just get them there. I'll do the rest. Like, I mean, the game will do the rest. Like, yeah. no problem. And it's funny. We've, I mean, the retention rate has to be super high. For us anyway, at Worcester Fenians, you know, any new lad that's come and tried it, you know, it costs them nothing. Come out, yeah. Get a pair of cleats. You know, it's there's not much expected. Just have a bit of fun. You know, if what you want to come, if you want to come and get a workout, great. If you want to learn right. a new sport, great. If you want to just join a group of people and a network of people, fantastic. So one of our uh, one of our things every year is we've always had a bus trip. So we'll hire a, a 52 seater, load up with players on the way up, load up with beer on the way back. Um, there's generally a couple of bottles of Buckfast get, get flown in for the occasion. Um, Buckfast. Yeah, that's the way. 
it's it's become it's become a bit of a thing on the on the bus trips to have the buckfast initiation which um it's so funny to hear the new american lads who didn't know what the hell a buckfast was two weeks earlier looking forward to this bus trip with buckfast you know um when we when we brought the team over to ireland um we we wrote to buckfast to see if they'd sponsor us it, it was a no-go unfortunately so there, there was a wasn't there like a I, I forget what the name of the team was uh was it was it a university there was a team think, that yeah, was actually the, sponsored yeah yeah oh my god it's... and that jersey you know and something like that as silly as silly as that is in the same yeah. way and you if know, you get them on that, that bus sell. trip they're, yeah and you get oh, them yeah. on that bus trip they're they're hooked sure oh, yeah. for 12 months like for hopping again you know well, we'll not talk about the slogan here uh, about Buckfast uh, on this podcast. We'll keep that PG. Uh, but, uh, oh, Jesus, those were the days. Uh, good news, though. Uh, we should we should have our uh, the main man from Limerick jumping on now. Uh, oh, very good. He's, he's a second half sort of lad, is he? he, he he's a second half lad. That man is going to bring know, it home. He's not, a, he's not the starter. He's the finisher, you know. Uh, but he'll be on now in a second. Uh, so apologies for anybody, uh, you know, expecting uh, the Limerick man, you know. So yeah, I was only here for him. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm you know, that and Yuri. You, you know, us down boys stick together. Like, you know, yeah, that's, that's it. Like, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, let's let's move on kind of like to the, the Midwest division, because I think there's a lot of talking points in that because it is so like, that is a big division, you know, where you guys go. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about that Midwest division. How did it become formed, and you know how that has evolved over the past few years? Yeah, and like, listen, I wouldn't be the greatest historian on it. You mean because I'm relying on, and listen, it's been talked about over the years about this oral history project and stuff. There's so many people that have such a wealth of knowledge in this country, and we need to record that knowledge. Um, so, like I said, it is a USGA thing to, to try to work on that, but. The, the, my understanding is the Midwest would have been created back in like the early 80s, right? Whenever the uh, county finals were originally formed by the uh, NCB. And they were breaking it up into play, playing areas of where you would come from to play and stuff. So that's kind of like my my understanding of it. Like the original teams that would have been involved in that would have been the Celtics, uh, the Pittsburgh Roger Casement, the Cleveland St. Charles, and the St. Pats. So like there's been a ton of growth since then. Getting there, Robbie, on that. No, yeah, no, John, you're 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 a hundred percent. It was, yeah. I think, it was a factor of those play, the maybe the first uh, North American playoffs, and uh, and that's why they kind of divisionalized the county. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, like I mean, because the breakups of the divisions. Look, um, I'm sure, like that's something that needs to evolve. You know, as time goes on and more clubs come into play and whatnot, so that they can create these different playing areas. And look, that's the the USGA board does a good job and. They're volunteers and they do so much work and these are just things that, that they, they keep evolving on. Do you mean like the, the amount of teams like the USGA fans? Now, the USGA board is literally there from 7 o'clock in the morning, if not half 6 to um, maybe 9 or 10 o'clock at night just to cater the administration in regards to the game. So, I said, but the, the Midwest, we're, we're very happy with it. Um, like we have to make trips sometimes. You, know, you could travel up to 13 hours per game if you want in the Midwest. But we have structured it properly that that's not a necessity. And then, like, teams you may not have seen all year will come in and then you'll get to compete against them in the Midwest final. So it creates new competition, too, at the end of the year whenever you're uh, doing your qualification to get to the USJF finals. Well, good. Uh, you know, yeah, that's, I guess, some of the challenges there. But, you know, is is there almost some opportunities there, you know, for – 
you know, there's a big gap in there, right? So opportunity for growth in a lot of different areas uh, and expanding those clubs as well. Uh, I know, uh, John, we kind of touched base a little bit about you guys talked about like a north and south uh, kind of division. So how does that kind of work on your end? Yeah, so that's what what we have at the minute. We have a structure. So we have like um, the southern teams all playing together. We have the northern teams all playing together. And like I said, that way they're probably like, I, I don't know, maybe four, four and a half hour maximum. Five hours are definitely at the very maximum for to get a game. Um, they're playing in their own leagues. And like I said, then they'll come out of their leagues, come into the Midwest Championship. So like I said, it's, it's look, it's doable. We, we're used to that, Gareth. Like, I mean, it's normal, like, you know. And it's a weekend away. Let's get to the we real stuff. Yeah. Any any yeah. any excuse for a weekend away, like you know. Yeah, well, like the other thing too that, that that like uh with we look at the division, like particularly from the divisional board, right? We'll look at it and I know like there in the past, like for example, whenever uh we were looking at like Buffalo up north, you know, Pittsburgh down south, Cleveland sort of maybe slightly over to the west, we're like there's there's a middle spot there very. So we tried to like identify people in the area to see could we help them start a team and I mean that's stuff that we're ever evolving on. We try to find midpoints where if there was another team in that area, like it would be of great benefit. So like I said, those are the things that keep you creative. Yeah, we definitely have a number of opportunities within the division area. Yeah, Newcastle not too far from from Pittsburgh and kind of heading towards Akron. Um, new club, even John contacted us right from Grand Rapids, which is above Detroit. In uh, in Michigan, so there's definitely, <coughs> excuse me, there's definitely opportunities for growth. I mean, throughout the county, but but within our division for sure as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah like our our growth too, guys. What's happening at the minute, right? Is in like the ladies' football, the camogie, and our, <laughs> like our our men's football is kind of nicely where it's at. But like since that, like our uh, ladies' football, you mean that has exploded. Our hurling has exploded. Um, on our camogie, we just started that last year, and we have two teams. And we're looking at bringing two more or two clubs, and we're looking at bringing in two more clubs. So, like I said, it's uh, the, the the growth is just right for some reason at the minute. It's just happening, like you know. Yeah, we actually touched base a little bit about that last week with Bernie. Uh, how hurling clubs has really exploded, uh, and ladies football and camogie. Uh, at the last nationals, he was saying there was uh, at the one in Boston, there was almost more hurling games than there was football for probably the first time ever. You yeah, know, and happened. that's gonna, that's. That's going to continue in Chicago, to yeah. Yeah, it happened yeah, so in Chicago gonna, this year. Yeah, and yeah what I, was it, like 52% hurling to, to yeah, 48% yeah, uh, yeah. football or something? Like that? Which, listen, those, those numbers are astonishing. If if you've been going to conventions and stuff, and look, that's where we need to go because that's our one time a year to get updated and, you know, to have your voice and stuff. Like, clubs need to attend conventions. They don't realize, like, kind of how important that is because you get the information Um updates in regards to what's happening around the country and stuff like what you just said there uh, with there being more hurling than football games uh, played at the USGA finals. Look at that handsome Arr. devil. Look at that handsome lad. No? Here you <laughs> come. Well, what about you? How are you doing? Hey, so, Rob. How are you doing? How are we doing? I feel like I should interview you here. Yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> so, we, we, we're, all, uh, we're all worried about you there for a bit, Connor, you know? So. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was good. No. But, uh, I don't know if you've seen that we touched base a little bit earlier about the uh, Nafina, you know, if you if you see that beautiful little checkered shirt there behind him, uh, the Buffalo team. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a Midwest club there. That's what Gareth and I were talking about earlier on. Um, it's good to see a Midwest club up there in the background. Now, Detroit, yeah, yeah. are they Midwest too? 
Yes, yeah. Detroit is also, yeah. They're up there as well, yeah. So They're up there as well. That crest is based off the down crest, I, I, I think, right? Yeah, it's very, very similar. Well, we'll take it anyway. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> like, I mean, that would be the normal for us down boys. Like, I mean, oh, if something's yeah. there, we're hey, taking listen, it. You take everything you get. <laughs> it's not nailed down. <laughs> Connor, I was feeling very alone here for a while, but uh, thanks for coming on. <laughs> these, these two boys, they're too much. Ah, uh, the Nordies. Yeah. No, where are you from yourself, Rob? Uh, Luke and just uh, west side of Dublin there, yeah, yeah. Oh, Next. yeah, cool. Yeah, that's what. Uh, should we just start it all again? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we'll let it. Well, uh, we talked about Connor. We were going to get you a little, uh, like a cartoon on the side. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll, he was he was here in spirit, you know. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about some of the Midwest teams. Uh, myself and Connor would be familiar. Uh, on the Saturday of North Americans, we we played St. Pat's Cleveland. Uh, great club and great bunch of lads. You know, actually a good uh, good time chatting with them as well. But uh, let's talk about maybe some of the successful clubs from there, uh, maybe what they're doing right and how they've grown over the years. Um, yeah, a little bit about that. Yeah, look, obviously you mentioned Cleveland, um, St. Pat's. So, so they've become Cleveland, St. Charlotte, St. Pat's. Uh, both uh, clubs merge and, and they would be uh, kind of legacy clubs, right? They've been around for a long, long time. Um, so it was, it was great to see they were able to kind of work, work together and, and come on board as the one unit. Um, they've done particularly well because they have all four codes and they also have the youth and adult game as well. So that's a, that's a, a kind of a, another model club that's really trying to cater for, you know, anybody that comes along to them. Um, you've got Detroit. You, you mentioned them a moment ago. Uh, they've got a fantastic youth program up there. Uh, a guy called Gareth O'Donoghue is, is doing tremendous work. And their senior team or their adult team are now seeing the, the kind of fruits of that youth program with, with, with those players coming across. Um, you have um, up in Buffalo, you have two teams. You have the, the Fenians there and the Fianna, um, like your, your jersey. Again, catering for football, hurling, uh, ladies football. Um, you, you've clubs that are well up into New York as well that, that are doing great. Uh, maybe some of them with, with, with somewhat more limited resources. So your Albanese, your Syracuses, your, your uh, Rochesters as well. Um, Albany themselves would be fairly geographically uh, remote compared to the rest of the clubs. Um, our Banshees here in Pittsburgh, uh, champions this year at a, a Junior B at the, uh, at the finals. So we were, of course, delighted with that. Um, they they did really well, and 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 now we'll have to move up to Junior A next year. So they're uh, they're currently kind of getting ready for that. Uh, we've had our Pittsburgh Pukas, um, our hurling team here, um, and they've won a North American as well. Uh, they they've done uh, done very well. Uh, we added Nalekra Camogie this year, uh, which is great. And John mentioned it earlier on, earlier on. Like Camogie is really one of those those codes that has really really come on. Um, there's some excellent leadership here. We've a uh, um, we've code development committees for all four of our codes and the, uh, the Camogie one are, are, are really, really doing a, a great job and, and a kind of a smart job and reaching out to, let's say a hurling club and saying, do you have any ladies that would like to, like to join? And, um, uh, with the Pukas, we, we kind of had, uh, we'd one lady here in Pittsburgh for, for years and she was the Camogie team and we used to kind of joke about it. Uh, she moved away and suddenly they had a Camogie team. The kind of the irony once uh, w- once Susan moved up to Harrisburg, um, 
so it was great to see Camogie here in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh had a Camogie team going back into the 80s. So I know that some of those uh, ladies that used to play were thrilled when, uh, when they came back as well. Um, so that's kind of a, a smattering of our teams. We have Cincinnati. Uh, they, they do a great job down there. That's about five hours from us. And we've Akron, uh, who hurled her about an hour and a half up the road. I hope I've mentioned all the. Yeah, I think you got every. It's interesting too. Like, I mean, uh, we uh, were able to bring three national cups home to the division this year. You know, with uh, with with Cleveland uh, ladies winning the Junior C, um, the Pittsburgh ladies football winning the Junior B, um, and then we had the the hurling cup won at the Junior C level. Like, I mean. Um, it's also interesting to note that we have a, a University of Pittsburgh team here, you know, they're playing the, the collegiate year, and they've won the national title three years in a row, which is really interesting. Um, so they go back now and they play in, uh, it, I think it's in uh, Kentucky or is it Nashville in, in a week or so, and they're, they're going to be looking to take home that cup for a fourth time, which is unreal. I mean, whenever you figure like you have, you know, big universities there like Purdue and Notre Dame and, what you would really sort of identify as a lot of Irish, you know? So you, UConn it, as well, I think, have a program as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, that's right. Because did you host that? I think you hosted that collegiate up there, or was it Hartford hosted? Hartford, I think, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, they're, yeah. they're very close with uh, the UConn ones there. Uh, I know, I forget Rory's last name, Laurie McG- Rory McGloin. Rory McGloin, yeah, great yeah. lad. Yeah, I know him well. Yeah, he's 100%. Brilliant, brilliant lad. Very, just, yeah, just curious, like, how, how did you how did they start the college team? Was that did you have an involvement in that? Or so, so my wife's actually so she's an Irish language and cultural teacher at the uh, at the university, and she's the advisor now. She didn't do any starting, but they needed to have an advisor in order to to get it rocking and rolling. And somebody had come into the university, met with her. She was able to you know sign on as the advisor, help them get the dome and all of that stuff. You know the practice fields. Um, they just they just blossomed out of nowhere, like you know. And not only blossomed, but actually became really, really good at the sport, and also became sort of a bit of a feeder system for the universe or for the Pittsburgh Pokers. You know, the Harlem team here that that competes in the USGA. You know, so how like Rob talked a little earlier about you know I think it was uh, Detroit about their youth program having like a really strong like how important is that you know for you know, these senior clubs and, you know, the success of these senior clubs because, you know, Boston do a really good job uh, with, you know, getting those clubs in. I know they have uh, Tiernan Oog, I think they have St. Brenton's and they have another couple. How important is that, you know, as far as like, because that's the next generation and there's not a lot of Irish people coming over as, as they used to in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, where a bunch of Irish lads and they would just feed off that. It's not the same anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, well, obviously, you're, you're, you're right. We're, we're not kind of coming over in droves anymore. Um, what we're seeing is, you know, some of the, the lads on the team or ladies in the team are, you know, starting their children and, and they're coming along like that. And it's it's fantastic to be able to see that. You know, John just mentioned he'd love to take the field this year with, with his son. And, and, and being able to encourage that to happen is is really great to see. I mean, you know, the old... Uh, ad age of of Molinoiga because Chucky Sheed, you know, if if you praise the young, if you bring them along, they're they're going to fly it. Um, it's very important that that we do that. Um, like I say, we you know our, our club could do a better job of it here, and, and it's something that we definitely have to address. Some of the other clubs in our division have have done a better job. Um, Buffalo Nafina grew out of a, a Buffalo youth team, 
And when they kind of came to the adult situation, they were faced with either joining a team of established players, and there were a lot of them, or starting their own team. So maybe somewhat controversial, they did decide to start their own actual club then. Um, so that they weren't kind of that many kids about to start competing with the adults and, uh, and they've gone from, from strength to strength. Um, that's certainly been one model that's, that's worked um, within, our, within, our, our, within our division anyway. Yeah, and if you, if you look into like uh, clubs across the country, right, there are like, for example, like Trinity Milton there, like, and you are stand up in the Northeast, like the, the clubs that are starting out as youth that have been around for a while, that are evolving now to where they've been around for, you know, that 15, 20 years are actually coming on. They're starting their own adult clubs. Listen, the, the perfect example of it is the Delco Gales, right? That's the flagship for how to run a youth program and to go into an adult uh, club and be very, very successful with very little Irish people, you know, Irish born on the field, but to play like they were born and bred in Ireland. Do you know what I mean? So, like I said, the, the the evidence and the data is there. That's the way forward, like you know. Sean Oggs up in Boston is Sean obviously Oggs, yeah. another great Sean example of as and, well. And men's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you know, you're playing against them now, like you know. John Oggs, we play against, and actually, we actually had a cracking final against yeah. uh, against Trinity in uh, the Junior C Division last um, at the end of the, the end of last summer. There was probably so we've the main field in Boston, and then you've got the backfield. It was probably the most attended backfield game I think that field has ever seen. It was it was just end to end at the end. It went into extra time and just it was wow. brilliant. Yeah, what a game! And it's just it's a credit to the boys there with Trinity. You know, Rory O'Donnell, yeah, and yeah. a couple of lads there. Yeah, and, and you know, boys, a lot yeah. of the father and son combinations playing yeah. on the day. It's fantastic to see, and uh, you know, we've built a great relationship with them lads. You know, we do the. You know, we, we continue that into the fall as well. And we do the, the Greg Hawes tournament. Uh, we have ourselves, Sean Oaks, uh, kind of keep it like the Junior C, Hartford and Trinity all involved with it. So, you know, they're definitely, you know, they, they are the benchmark. You're right. Yeah. You know, those clubs are where we should be going to for mm-hmm. advice. And yourselves as well, obviously, you know, uh, yourselves who's been there and seen it. Uh, so, when you guys are talking about, you know, your division, what is the big events that go on in the Midwest, you know, as far as like tournaments and championships, both, you know, football, hurling, camogie, and all in all the divisions? Yeah, so I suppose our, our season will probably start with the, the Cleveland 7 aside, and that, that's been something that we, we're delighted that they resurrected it. It's gone away for a couple of years, and, and it's a nice way just to get our teams together early in the year you know, maybe not all your players are around you yet, so you're able to submit maybe 10, 10 folks and get that going. And then we go right the way through to the uh, Al O'Leary Hurling Tournament in early October. Um, they would probably be the, the kind of two bookends to our season. Uh, w- one of the big things we're, we're trying to push out here in, in USGA is elongating the season, right, so that it's not just a June, July, August kind of thing, but that there are tournaments that are happening a lot earlier. Um, obviously in, in our division, I mentioned it earlier, we're, it's a little colder, um, no more than yourselves, right? So there's only so much you can do outdoors, but you know, once, once the outdoor hits, we're, we're ready to kind of go. Um, you find it across the county that, that this is becoming a 12 month season now, rather than the traditional old summer model. Yeah. And like, uh, the other thing too, we're working on with our development committee here at the, at the minute in the Midwest is, uh. We're going to run a camogie tournament in, in October as well. 
Um, listen, my, my thought process personally was always, hey, you know, once the USGA finals were over, that was it. It was done. You know, we're going to go into hibernation here for a while. But the interest from these people who are newer involved in the GA, they, they don't want it to end. Like, they can't get enough of it. And whenever I had our development um, team reaching out to, like, other divisions and stuff to see the interest, I was like, oh, there'll be no interest in October. They're like, oh, yeah, all the, all the subs will be happy to come in October. So, like I said, being proven wrong in this is is great. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's just showing that more and more people want to, want to be a part of it and just want it to last longer. Like, they want to get every last little bit of the warm weather in the games, like, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I I think that's huge for um, especially for local like American players and all that, you know, um, to really get everything out of the season there, you know, because it's it's hard to really develop a player. In fairness, if uh, if you're only really if you only really have them for a few months of the year, you know, yeah, and, and Connor, uh, like it shows like we don't know everything, like you know what I mean, like so our way is not the only way, like you I mean, like we we need to listen to these. Uh, these people that are coming new into our um, association here, um, we need to um, provide for them for their needs. Like you know, so like I said, you, you can't be stuck in your thought process and be like, "Oh, this is the way." Like, you know, what I mean, that's that's not necessarily correct. Like, we need to continue to evolve here to take care of all of our members. Like, you know, well, that's a great point. You know, myself and Connor are well at user. I mean, we're both here since you know I'm here 2011. Connor's around the same time. You know, we would have both played in the same kind of generation where it season started the day after Paddy's Day and August 15th, it's over. It's over. Yeah. You know, and that's it. You know, and, and that's, you know, and that is catering to, and there's nothing that, you know, that's just how it was. And it's no fault of anybody. But yeah. when the lads went home, that's it. Yeah. You know, you went and played your outdoor soccer or indoor soccer or whatever. But, you know, if if we are really, truly trying to grow this as, you know, not just an Irish born, it's it's yes. everybody. You have to almost have that longer, earlier season to get them the opportunity, to get them the game time, because it is tough. You know, yeah, it's, like with, yeah. the, with the climate in the U.S. too, like there's so many opportunities to do the different things in different parts of the country where you're not used to doing stuff at that time of the year, you know? I think I mean, one of the one of the other things that's been fantastic for that is the level of support that we're getting from Ireland. Um, the Department of Foreign Affairs with their Global Games Development Fund grant is massive. Clubs that maybe didn't have money for kind of special projects in in the early spring or late winter, early spring or, or late into the fall, um, they're now able to apply for funding and they're able to apply for some indoor training and indoor practices and keep the thing going. And that's really been a godsend. So that's a that's been fantastic over the last five or six years to be receiving that Global Games Development Fund. So, Rob, uh, from our conversation last week with Bernie, we actually, uh, you know, Bernie actually had a lot of praise uh, for yourself, uh, in the, you know, with what you're doing as far as development and stuff. You know, can you talk us a little bit more about that, you know, about that role in development and, you know, is that specifically for football or is that an all codes or... And, you know, we can kind of add on to more questions on how do people can reach out to you as well, sure, you know, sure. for resources. But yeah, so do you want to touch a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, uh, Liam Hegarty, who was a, a great Gale from um, uh, based in Philadelphia and one of the guys behind starting the, the Delco Gales Club down there, he asked me in, I think it was 2016, would I uh, come on board as the Games Development Officer for the county? I had no idea what the Games Development Officer was all about, and, and it was real kind of baptism by fire. 
Um, but it's it's become a, a great role um, in, in terms of trying to support not only new and up and coming teams, but also teams that are maybe legacy. Um, sometimes we might forget about them. Uh, we think, you know, they've got plenty of members, they're, they're going great, but sometimes we do need to check in with them as well. Um, the development role would, would oversee our games development administrators. That's our, our paid staff in Chicago, in Western San Francisco, obviously up with yourselves and then in Philadelphia. So um, that's how those four divisions would largely be looked after with paid staff. And then the other six divisions around the county are able to access a number of other grants that come through kind of a marriage of funds between or matched funds between Croke Park and Department of Foreign Affairs as well. Uh, the big one at the moment, we're, we're, we're waiting any day for the Global Games Development Fund announcement that could support over 30 projects with 30 clubs around the county. Um, the, the funding that we get from Croke Park, the DFA, and, and of course our, our twinning partner Munster, who, who are absolutely fantastic in this, in this whole process, um, is able to help fund new clubs when they start is able to fund new teams and give them a grant, uh, give camogie or hurling matching grants. Um, so there's, there's a wide array of kind of financial um, opportunities for folks if they do want to get involved in our sports, if they want to, you know, maybe they're a hurling team that would like to add a, a camogie team, maybe they're football that would like to start their ladies football, etc. So uh, we, we, we have a great team with in-games development. Uh, we had a fantastic meeting actually in December where uh, Pat O'Shea and Joey Carton from Munster, who's our twinning partner, came out to uh, Chicago and we brought in our, our games development administrators and we brought, also brought in the heads of our co-development committees, Hurling, Football, Ladies, Football, Camogie. And we had a, a planning meeting for the year uh, and it was fantastic to see everybody around that table, kind of everybody knowing their roles, everybody knowing you know who, the, who are the players within development within the county. There's no point in us working against each other. You know, we need to know where the opportunities are. And if there is a camogie event, maybe hurling can dovetail. Maybe ladies football can dovetail in, in, in with the ladies that are uh, playing camogie. So um, that was a really, really good meeting. I think it might have been the first time that we kind of really got development all on the, the one page here in, in USGA. Um, those committees hit the ground running in January uh, and uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of activity already this year and, and it's still only early in the year um we're going to have some uh, coaching seminars uh munster are going to send out some uh, some folks around to uh some of the divisions uh, we'll have coaching weekends the midwest have ours 13th 14th of april i believe uh so we have two folks coming out from county clare to coach football and ladies football and hurling and camogie um, and we folks going into the Heartland Division up in Milwaukee and also Denver in our Southeast Division. So there's massive appetite for growth. There's massive appetite for development funds, you know, and clubs and teams are telling us the whole time, help us. Um, I, I love this. I'm probably talking too much about it, but... Um, no, that's, it's great because we, you know, as... You know, everybody in our club's sick of hearing my voice. <laughs> and this, and, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, I mean, we try to mix it up, you know, as much as possible. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's tough, you know, because you want to you want to mix it up. You want to have different, you know, drills and a different voice. And, you know, we have the resources, but we don't know yeah. where to go. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's and that's that seems to be an ongoing 
uh, conversation on topic. And it's like, yeah, we like, you know, we'd love to get, you know, we'd love to have like training drills more at our fingertips or, you know, yeah. but we just That's... don't know where to go. And hopefully this could be a great platform where, you know, people can will have the opportunity now to say, right, well, I know I can go to the USGA page and go under resources and get yeah. the information that I need. <clears throat> Uh, that's going to help not just, you know, me personally as a coach, as a trainer, but as you grow as a club, because you want to make yeah. sure that the people you do bring in, you're giving them the tools that they need to be successful. Uh, Cause if you're not providing them with the proper training, in my right. opinion, that's, you know, you can, tra- you can teach them how to run all day. But yeah, I, uh, think, I, I think you're right, Garrett. And I think the other aspect of it is, it's not all about finances, right? It's great that these funds are available and we're, we're, we're so pleased that Croke Park, the Department of Foreign Affairs, and, and obviously our own internal structures are able to generate the funds. But there are mass, there's a massive amount of information out there as well. Um, you've got the learning.gea.ie website. is fantastic. I mean, you can drill right down to a beginner, intermediate, and advanced drill for any one of our skills across any of our, our various codes. Um, Monster again, who, who's our twinning partner. Um, they have a website as well uh, where they've got coaching and games information. Uh, and of course, our own website, usga.org as well, ha- has got that and, and links to the various, um, to the various um, other entities. And, and it's great because a lot of our clubs, uh, particularly the newest club, the player who becomes the coach is maybe the most senior player. He might be the player who just can't run anymore. And uh, it, it's it's to get them the, the skilling. Like we do have our, our formal um, coach tutoring, right? So so we have our introduction uh, to coaching Gaelic games. We have our award one. That's fine, right? It's nice to get that piece of paper. But there's nothing like those practical drills. Like if I'm going down to training on Tuesday night, what am I going to do with 20 lads or 20 ladies in front of me? It's very difficult. The resources are out there. You can print off your lesson plan for the evening. You can show up. You can just about get by. It's uh, it's it, it's great. It's it saved me on a few occasions, and John, I'm sure it saved you yourself too. Um, but yeah, th- there's fantastic resources out there, videos, um, you know, pamphlets, um, lesson plans you can print off. So we're 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 very lucky. The GA have put a lot of work into uh, into education. Obviously, we have the World GAA, um, and we meet them regularly. Um, if if we're back at Congress, or there's a lot of work groups that happen. Uh, and I know that the, the feedback is always really, really positive about those learning resources that are out there for us all. No, there's definitely a lot of resources out there. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we'll we'll make sure we post your contact information to Rob, uh, just so right. if any new clubs or, you know, let's just say you're looking to get into the coaching aspect of it and, you know, you, you maybe want somebody to point in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll get them on to you. But, uh, you know, walk us through. So if somebody... You know, you have like you just talked about earlier about how you have so many American lads there that come in, new lads. Walk us through like a typical, all right, an introduction session. What 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 would your typical introduction for a new American-born player that walks in that's never heard of Gaelic football? That's just you're coming in. How how would that how would that session go to get them kind of involved? I'll throw that one over to John. He's the he's the coach. <laughs> I, I would I would take on a lot of that stuff, right? So like um. Like I make sure there's a, first of all there's a ball to a pair of people, right? I there's nothing worse than seeing people standing around without a ball in their hands or getting multiple touches. I think like the uh, 
Because they say, like, you want to have somebody have 300 touches in a training, right? So if that's hand pass, hand pass, hand pass, whatever. It's a lot of touching, right? So bring them in, um, straight in, you know, do a bit of a warm-up, do uh, some plyometrics, you know, get them ready, loosened up. Um, go straight into a bit of a hand passing drill. So you can't be afraid to fail, right? So you can't be uh, trying to start off at the infant level and bring them up. I have no problem putting people right into an easy hand passing drill, easy soloing drill, you know, solo the hand pass, the high ball drills, and then put them into a game, right? So this might all happen over the course of two hours. But what I would do there is whenever I'm uh, out there and I'm coaching the game or if you want to call it refereeing, um, the game that there's new players and you don't want to stop the game every minute. You just want to talk to them as they're playing, right? So whenever they throw the ball, like, like oh, that should have been a hand pass, you know, and just keep going and going with them. They'll get it because you have them mixed with uh, skillful players and those people will teach them as well. So to take that old step where you used to have people standing around and watch skillful players, that's not the way forward. Like, I mean, the way forward is get them stuck in, get a ball in their hand and talk them through what they're doing. It's okay to make errors, like, you know, First attempt yeah. and learning fail. That's as true as it comes. You know, it's it's first mm-hmm. first attempt at learning. That's yeah. that's I think know, that's a, what it comes down to. It's a staggering statistic, really. I think, John, you you and I, when we first heard that number of three hundred touches per person per per you know evening session, we, we we were blown away because if you think about you know. You, you, you go straight into your seven aside game or whatever. Like the, the strong, the stronger players are always going to emerge, and some of those weaker players mm-hmm. just do not get those touches. And if you can have that kind of statistic in the back of your mind, okay, we have to get these weaker players touches, touches, touches. It's very, very important. Uh, but I, I know I was blown away when 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 that was pointed out. It's the most natural yeah. thing in the world. How do you I get know. people better? Give them touches. Right. And it's actually, you know, once once you have, like, drills that get you a lot of touch, it's actually not that hard to hit 300 in a training, like, you know? That's that's actually a good point. I've never, I, that's that's the first time I've ever actually heard that. Yeah. And it like, makes it, a lot of like, sense. Like Robbie said there, right, if you go right into a game, right, a lot of the newer players that, that don't have the skills are going to be standing watching the game. So you want to have a lot of the drills where there's fast and high energy, a lot of touches, and then they get in the game and you try to like help them during the game, you know, to get stuck in and get a touch of the ball. And listen, you know what the first thing they're going to do whenever they get it? They're going to throw the ball. That's all right. No problem. There's no need to stop the game. That's we, we know where we're at. And you just let them know, hey, the next time, you know, try to make that a hand pass, move on. And the next time they'll throw it again. And maybe by the third time they'll start to actually think, you know, hand pass, like, you know. And you have to remember, like, people who didn't grow up with the game like we did, you have to be very um, flexible in your uh, – you know, your energy and, and you know, maybe annoyance at, at them not getting it right the first time, like, you know? Patience. <laughs> I'm not, not one of my virtues, like, you know. <laughs> I could just imagine John the sideline. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you throw that ball one more time, I'm going to throw you. I have to buy a lot of pints after training. You know, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the coach screaming at and yelling at you. Are, are yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to that, and I, I get it. That's just how it was before, like you know. But nobody's going to want to come back to that. It's at the no, end of the day, yeah. it's about having a bit of crack. We talked about it before. It's sixty five percent crack, right? You know I mean, yeah. the rest of it's the ball and having the good time. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that, we we try to make our sessions as enjoyable as possible. You know, like yeah, we'll we'll do a bit of running. We'll make sure everybody gets a workout in, like, but we'll make sure that everybody's touching the ball. Every drill has 
like a skill. Yes, there might be fitness aspect to it, but mm -hmm. it includes the ball as well. So mm -hmm. those new people are getting used to the, you know, maybe a lot, maybe a longer, a shorter to a longer road, but you're making sure that has the solo implemented into it. And they're going to drop it a few times. And that's fine, but get up, pick it up, and keep going. You know, yeah. so like a lot of things out there, there too, guys. Right? Like whenever we're out training, like I'm doing fitness training, but they think they're playing football because I roll the ball out in front of them. Like you know what I mean? But they don't realize they're sprinting off of the ball. So we're actually, as long as there's a ball, people chase it. Like you know? Yeah, and it takes um, your high, like when you think about going for a five mile run or something, you're like, oh geez, nightmare. It's like a nightmare. But you're out there for an hour running around chasing the ball. And you look at your watch and think. How much did I run? I ran five right? miles. Like, you don't even realize it. Yeah. So. The funny, the, the funny thing about you know speaking about that, one of the the most underserved or, or underpurchased piece of equipment I think in football is the football. Um, there aren't enough teams that have that have enough balls to actually play with, and and you know like John said having two per, you having a ball at least for every two. I mean, you see so much. I know back in the day, like we had four or five balls. There'd be complaints that oh, I think Cleveland stole one of ours. You know, yeah. we'd be down to three on the bus home. We didn't care; it was full of beer. But you get back and you have three balls the next week. It's like when you start learning and you start learning coaching and you start opening your eyes to just how this thing can go so much differently by kind of simple things like watching how many touches a player is having, having enough equipment, um, and, and buying those footballs. You know, it's it's. It makes so much sense. Sometimes you have to stop. Everybody likes to keep that old football nice and white and clean. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't want to bring that out too early in the season. Like, you know, but yeah, like yeah. Robbie said, you get it out there. Look, you have to invest in your footballs. They are expensive, but you know what? It's uh, it's pointless doing what we do if you don't use your uh, resources. Like, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of clubs, like, you know, if it's, it, you know, yes, your Gaelic footballs are expensive, but if you needed to go get a couple of soccer balls, whatever, <laughs> Just to have something, right? Yeah. You know, just so you're getting the fundamentals down off, you yeah. know, might be just the fist pass, might be like the yeah. short kick, the long kick, might be using like, you know, kind of like the, you know, the handball courts, uh, you know, just to kick a ball. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You know, like I know most lads would probably lose the head and the shoulders, but at, at, at the end of a game, whole team is around searching for those Gaelic balls because you <laughs> yeah. do not want to lose one of them. <laughs> So, no, like, uh, like even a club at home, like you would watch the other team walking off the field and say, "Is that one yeah. of our balls?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like you know, I think might lose the problem. game, but if if you can at least be up in uh, your your number of balls, yeah. you know it's something. Yeah. <laughs> we lost the game, but we come home with two extra balls. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we lost the battle, but we won the war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very true. So how's uh, Gaelic forward, Gaelic football look? Uh, looking forward, look for you lads. You know, so how do you both see your involvement in Gaelic football? You know, both in the short term and the long term. You know, John, you talk about lacing up the boots again. You know, they're probably the old Diodoras with cobwebs on them. <laughs> with uh, a green stripe on them somewhere, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> so, what does that look? What does that look like for both of you now coming into the future? I mean, listen, there's there's always the want to play. Like, I mean, you have to be realistic, like I said. But the good thing with the GA is, like, it provides a place for every skill level, right? So the fellow who is, you know, touching 50 that really can't run much. Now, that's not me, right? But, like, that fellow who's, who's touching 50 can't run much. There is, there, is a, there is a place for them to be, like, you know what I mean? Whether it's hurling football, ladies football, camogie, whatever. There's uh, different um, levels being introduced at the at the county level so that everybody can be part of the game. So, yeah, I like 
Listen, I, I intend to, to kick a ball this year, like you know. Yeah. I think um I think for me it's it's a little bit like that line from The Godfather. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, right? It's uh it, it's very hard to to walk away from 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 this sport and you know we'll maybe have another couple of years here on on the Midwest board. Um we'll go straight back to our club. Um you know and and help the club board again. I I think it's kind of a a, a circle. Um and we we just continue uh trying to help our clubs grow right trying to help the county grow um that's what we're in this for right um and we have to i suppose when you first when you first go on your club board you should always be aspiring to get to that next level to 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 help that that next level grow so when we started with the pittsburgh celtics as they were then and on that board you know you're looking at the division you're kind of, wow, it seems all very mysterious, but you're like, no, I think I'd like to get there. And then you move into the secretary or chair position. Uh, and it's nice to, to do that. I think, you know, when you have drive like that uh, and you can see the opportunities and you're thinking outside the box a little bit, I think there's so many opportunities here in, 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 in our club, in our division and across the county as well. Um, so there's definitely a place in, in in this for both of us for for quite a while. Yeah, like if you want to work, somebody find you a job. Like there's there's yeah, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Well, I know uh, Bernie's on his last uh, on his last year, so you know maybe a couple of positions opening up now at the end of the year. Uh, you couldn't replace Bernie. Yeah, Bernie's a <laughs> Bernie's a tough one to replace. I, I mean, the episode we have him last week, that man is a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he knows he knows the ins and outs. You know, plays it. You know. He's invested in the he's 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 in the right mindset. He's in the right you know. He wants it to go you know. He doesn't yeah. play politics. He plays it down the middle, which is you know as what you want in your leader, right? That's that's who you want, but you know, leading us in the battle as we grow the USGA. So mm-hmm. I mean, he's done a great job. You know, look at the growth of the USGA since he's been in. You know, yeah. vice chair five years now, five years as the president. You know, almost doubled in clubs. Uh, within that time period so a real testament to him you yeah. know but there you know with every with maybe a new voice could be in you know that can add on to that as well uh, i think will be pre- very important uh what are you what's your thoughts on that lads listen, uh, yeah. Ber- Go on, John. yeah like i mean listen bernie we can't say enough about him right uh the, the knowledge that he brings that he set the standard high like for the next person like you know i mean the growth the county's had in his I mean, he's been on the county board for 10 years, but his five years as, as the uh, boss at the helm, I mean, he steered the ship, like, in the right direction. I mean, the numbers show that. Um, listen, I've been on the county board. I've run for the county board. I always aspire to be at the next level of where I am. I think uh, where, where things are at at the minute, satisfied with uh, the Midwest and, I mean, working for, work, working for the clubs at home, like, we'll worry about uh, where the next step is at the end of the year, like, you know. Is that a possible? Uh, is that a possible John Young? So here's the thing. About, here's the thing about me. I'm never <laughs> afraid of a challenge. Like you know what I mean. I, I enjoy challenges. Enjoy administering the game. And uh, they said we'll see. We'll see where she goes. Like uh, later on in the year. I think the GA was around long before we came along. It's going to be around long after we're gone. We just we we have to leave a good legacy. We're you know we're we're, we're the uh, the keepers of the flame right now, right? And we have to make sure that that for. For John's um, John's sons, my nephews, that this game is here at the adult level for them. Okay, we can do some work with them here at youth, but we have to make sure that it, that it's here 
for them once they make the transition across to adults. We have to make sure that our division is very strong uh, and that we still have all those clubs. It's great talking about the growth, but we need to make sure in, in, in 10 years when that young man becomes 18 and joins one of the adult teams that it's here for him. And yeah. that's, that's probably the most important thing that any of us do every day. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's the highest objective of, of all of our jobs. Like, I mean, yeah. make sure that this game and this association is here for the next generation, like, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. And, you know, maybe, you know, if you're looking into the, you know, the short-term next five years, you know, what do you kind of see as the biggest opportunities that maybe, you know, maybe like untapped markets that we haven't really looked into or maybe certain areas you know, within youth or ladies or men's that, you know, we could maybe, you know, maybe not fix, but could be worked on in that area. Yeah, I, th I think one of our biggest issues, right, is uh, exposing the game to the people, right? Because like I said, once once you uh, bring somebody around once or twice, like you have them hooked for life, you know? So look, there was a conversation over the years about TV rights and getting the game on TV more which would inspire people to look for like the local clubs in their own cities and stuff. I, I think that's something that like would really, really help get people more involved in the USA is if we can get the game to people that don't know about the game, because once, once they know about it, Gareth Connor, like they're easy to bring in, they enjoy our association, they enjoy what we bring. Um, so I think we have to figure out how to get our games on mainstream TV here in the US, like, you know? Oh, I think yeah. I think on a Sunday morning here, if you had a championship yeah. game, honestly, yeah. like you know, I think a great example of that is the World Cup was on uh, a couple of months ago, and it was on a Sunday morning at ten o'clock. Now, most people probably wouldn't have watched that game, but there was nothing really else on. Right. So most people yeah, tuned right. in, and actually, luckily, it was a phenomenal game. Went and you know you could see the passion, the yeah. you know. Grown men with tears in their eyes, yeah. Argentina win. I think people got a new appreciation of the game. Yeah. You know, I think having that, you know, on a Sunday morning, if you had a hurling game on or, or a championship Gaelic football game, people flicking through a channel and be like, geez, what the hell is this? Right. You know, and it's like, this is interesting. Like, I think there's, I think there's definitely a market for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I obviously there's, there's more behind the scenes, you know, that why it's the hazard. Yeah, happened. of course. Yeah. And like, you know, listen, like there, if for people like us that want to see the games, we know how to go find them, right? We can watch them, right? It's getting to the person that didn't know yet that they wanted to watch the game. Like, how do we get at them? And listen, it may not be a live game. You know what I mean? It may be, you know, um, it's shown on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? For the games that happen on Sunday where they don't have as much value anymore to rewatch for, for us who watched it live. Like, you know, <laughs> but we could get it into the, the the vision of people who haven't seen it before. I think that's that's gonna be the key, I think, to continued uh to, to crazy growth, like, you know. But then like at the same time, like if we have crazy growth, we have to make sure we have the structure to support it. Mm -hmm. Right? Because once you get them, you only get one opportunity to keep them. And we've been really good at that because of our slow growth. Um, but if we uh, if we explode, like we have to make sure we have the structure for it. Yeah, the infrastructure has to be, you know, the foundation has to be yeah. solid, right? Mm -hmm. so. and like the USGA has built a really good infrastructure over the last, you know, it, it's always been good, right? That's why we're part of it. But the uh, where it's been going lately, like it's a much more professional uh, environment on your county board level. You I mean like your county board meets are like every Wednesday night. Um, for the normal board, then they have development committee meetings. I mean, a county board member could be meeting three times a week. Um, that we don't know all of this is happening behind the scenes. I mean, the amount of effort that our 
county board put in is uh it's unreal and that's the reason that we are where we are today like you know well lads i uh i think that's a good time to kind of start wrapping it up right (laughs) we're uh, an hour an hour and a half in like you know long but no just a real quick one thank you both for coming on thank you i appreciate very informative you know rob i appreciate your insight and john obviously too uh you know, Bernie actually did mention, you know, how valuable you are uh, to the, the development, you know, and I can definitely see with, you know, the knowledge you're bringing to the table uh, that you kind of, you could be a great resource to any clubs there who maybe are having that little bit of a struggle and yourself, John, if anybody has questions yeah. to reach out to both of you, because, you know, that's, that's a division that's grown substantially, uh, yeah. you know, and if, if you're looking at, if you're looking at a division where you can target where this is where I want to be, this yeah, is where, and listen, know, guys, we're definitely proud of what's happening in the Midwest. Yeah. Like, I mean, and we're not. It's it's exciting and vigorous here, right? It wants you to keep going, you know. And uh, like I said, the the people that have been there before us on the divisional board have done a hell of a job to put us into the foundation of where we are now. And like I said, it's it's exciting, right? Whenever like you hear these new clubs and you're having calls with people, you're having coaching weekends and 50 plus people are driving from all over the division to be there it's where we want to be like and i said we're, we're quite happy to be uh, serving the clubs in our division and keep up the great work lads and uh i'm sure this will uh, will be a goodbye for now and we'll uh <laughs> we'll chat soon so I'll see you yeah later. we look forward to meeting maybe in denver right will you come well, out well we'll see we'll see yeah. maybe uh, we have uh Maybe Connor just uh, my my wife is actually due in August, so oh, very good. Well, we'll see. Uh, right, Connor, be, that's a plan. Be, maybe, <laughs> maybe number two. So unless I want, uh, you know, we have a nice dog house in the back. Uh, you know, unless that's I want first time in a garret. You know, I might I might have to make it make it my home. You know, if I decide to go to Denver, but no, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, uh, but. The best of success and all that with yeah, the uh, podcast. Hopefully, it uh, takes off really well for you. And we appreciate you providing the service, like you know. Appreciate. Thanks. Oh, you want to wrap it, wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this has been um, the North American Gaelic Football Podcast. If you like this episode, please just remember to uh, like and subscribe, leave a comment, and let us know what you think. And I uh, just want to thank the boys, Rob and John, for giving their time. So. All right, Slon, lads. We'll see you. All yeah, the best. Cheers. cheers.